grace and the mercy and the peace and the joy that we celebrate today in the birth of Christ Jesus rest upon each of you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I said earlier, our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah 52 will serve as the basis for our meditation this morning. I was looking at the manger a couple weeks ago and looking down at, at baby Jesus, and I started to think back on the birth of my own children years ago. And I remember looking at each one of my kids as they were born and, and swelling with pride and getting goosebumps and thinking, wow, new life. And I also thought, what a little bundle of joy. And then they grew up. And things changed. But, you know, they were. That's exactly what that was. It was new life. It was joy. It was just looking at, at, at what the baby represents. And then I got to thinking about, about Mary. And I wondered if she looked down and thought some of the same things. I wondered if she looked down at baby Jesus and went, wow, new life. What a miracle. I wonder if she looked down and went, wow, what a bundle of joy this new life is. Although when you look at Jesus, he's not really new life, is he? He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's of God, from God, is God. He's the creator, the one that creates new life. And yet, he is actually new life because that's what Jesus represents, new life, when we look upon him. He's the return of the Lord. And when you look at his birth, his return, what message does Jesus bring? The message of hope, of joy, of comfort, of peace, of reconciliation, justification, salvation. It's a message that we certainly need today. And it's a message that the Israelites of Isaiah's day needed to hear. God has sent, and we talked about this during Advent, His messengers and, and His message of hope and life renewed since days of old. He sent multiple people to tell his people about this message of hope and salvation. And Isaiah is one of those messengers who brings God's message of hope. Now think about the Israelites in the days of Isaiah. Jerusalem was in ruin. They were in captivity to the Babylonians. They thought this was never going to end. And they were waiting for the return of God. They started to wonder if they would ever receive or uh, see, uh, see the return of, of God and the return of Zion, Jerusalem. And so Isaiah brings God's message, and it's a beautiful message when you look at it, a message filled with beautiful imagery. It's a message about the restoration of Israel and the end of captivity to the Babylonians. It's also a, over, a message that overall foreshadows God's great promise, the coming of a Savior, the message of salvation and the reign of our God. So Isaiah proclaims, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen to what he says. Listen to those words. Your God reigns reigns. In other words, God hasn't abandoned you. God hasn't been defeated. 
He still has powers. Hey, he never lost them, nor will he ever. Oh, and this is God himself as a messenger, a God who's announcing his triumphant return. The verses that follow verse 7 then highlight everything, the joy of the coming messenger and the great news. And this joy isn't just meant for Israel. It's meant for all creation. This is a cosmic joy. Not just for people in one certain place and time, but for people, for creation all throughout time. Imagine being a watchman if you read through this passage from Isaiah. Imagine being one of those watchmen up on the watchtower. Battles are raging around and everything, and and you're just sitting there from minute to minute wondering what's going to happen next. When all of a sudden through the plains and over the fields and the hills and whatnot, you see this great messenger running towards you. The messenger coming with the message that the battle has been won, that God is victorious. Would you not after all that you've been through, raise your hands with all the watchmen and your voices in great praise? Throw your hands up in the air and say, hallelujah. Yeah, my God reigns. How could you not? Think about the good news that we celebrate today throughout our lives with all the victories that, you know, that we, well, we deem them victories, right? The good news from the doctor, the good news of employment, the reconciliation with loved ones or, or the return of loved ones from war. And we get that news and, and we, we joyously celebrate those things. But how fleeting is that joy? Why is it so hard sometimes to celebrate victories, to celebrate joy, especially this joy? I was reading a book for one of my leadership classes uh, where and it's by a lady by the name of Brene Brown. And she wrote this book called Dare to Lead. And she answers that very question about why it's so hard to celebrate victories, why it's so hard to, to be filled with joy all the time. And she says it's because joy is the most vulnerable emotion that we will ever feel. I want you to think about that. Joy is the most vulnerable emotion that we will ever feel. Why is that? Because think about it. Think about what we tend to put our our hope and our trust in more often than not. Things of the world, right? We put our our hope and trust in people and our sports teams and whatnot only to be let down. We put our trust and hope in things of the world only to have them break and to falter. And so what we end up having is a guarded joy. And that's exactly what Satan wants from us. At best, to have a guarded joy, but he wants to rob us of all those joys. He wants us to think that this is a fleeting joy, the birth of our Savior. He wants us to believe what Israel believes, that God's never going to return. And, you know, and that's sometimes we oftentimes have a very guarded joy, partly in because we have high expectations of things but in the wrong things. We should be putting our expectations and hope there, not in things of this world. Think of the Israelites who are expecting God to restore Jerusalem just the way it was. Think of their expectations of God, that He's going to come in and everything's going to be restored perfectly, and God's going to come in like this mighty warrior-type king, 
brandishing a sword on a great horse and slay all their earthly enemies. And they, just them, the Israelites, are going to have everything the way that they want it. And yet, I imagine they saw the feet of the messenger uh, as very beautiful when they heard your Lord reigns. But we see a different picture when Jesus is born and begins his earthly ministry. As Jesus was shunned and despised by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious elite. But think of the people that Jesus spent his time with. How beautiful were his feet to the marginalized and the oppressed. How beautiful were his feet to the outcasts and the sick and the lame. How beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings the good news to the poor today, to the homeless and the unemployed and the sick and the lonely. How beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brought us the good news in our baptisms when we were declared redeemed by God and presented holy and blameless before him. You know what I think it is? I think it's when people have nothing to lose, that's when the feet of Jesus are the most beautiful. But when we get stuck on the things that we have, which is really a temporary happiness and joy, then we tend to forget where our hope and joy lies. We tend to forget that that's the most beautiful thing you will ever see in your life. Salvation. And today we celebrate the birth of our Savior who came to die for us, to rise again from the dead, overcoming death, devil, and sin and ascend into heaven to take his rightful place by God with all of creation beneath his beautiful feet. Isaiah says in verse 10, The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. When we look down at that manger today, what do we see? What do we gaze upon? What do we think? Do we think, oh, what, what a, a cute little baby? Do we think, oh, what a wonderful bundle of joy? I hope when we graze upon the birth of Jesus that we see that the Lord has bared His holy arm and that this little bundle of joy is the birth of new life, of the greatest joy ever given. And I pray that we live out our lives in His joy and be the messengers of joy that we were called to be so that others can have the hope that you and I have. And I pray that His birth isn't just for us, but all the nations. We know that it is, but I pray that we live our lives out that way. Because guess what? Today is the birth of Christ. Our Lord reigns. How great of joy is that? And to steal and revise a piece that we normally say at Easter, now, let us all join together with the watchmen of past, of present, and future, raising our voices and shouting out, Our Savior is born. He's born indeed. Alleluia. And to God be all the glory. Amen.